thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Hello, and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement. I'm your host, Paul Thompson. And as you know, we're here to build a body that supports you from the ground up, not a body relying on support. And if there's one person that knows this better than anyone else, it's my man, Mark Mitchell, who I met recently at a, um, down at Bells Beach. He's a physio uh, with a Master's in Exercise Science, owner of eLab Gym and Advent Health Physiotherapy Clinic. Um, up in Bronte and Maroubra. And I'd heard of eLab um, quite a bit and they'd been on my list to contact just because I've heard some great things they're doing um, and I really wanted to reach out to them. And by chance, Mark was at um, Bell's where I was at and by even bigger chance, I didn't know at the end of the weekend, I still didn't know who he was apart from just names and, you know, niceties <laughs> through the weekend. But... I scabbed a lift home with him <laughs> back up to the airport. Uh, he was very nice to pick up this little hitchhiker. And we had a fantastic chat um, back up to the airport. So it just went to reason that we jumped on here and, and kind of chatted with you guys, um, I guess, about the chat we had because I think you guys will learn um, a huge amount from Mark. And I encourage you to check out uh, his website and him online and, yeah, see what he's up to. It was really cool. But welcome to the uh, to the podcast, mate. Thanks, Paul. Good to be here. I'm excited. A, our chat was fantastic on the way home, wasn't it? Yeah, no, nah, it was awesome. It was a uh, the, the journey wasn't long enough. We could have drove back to Sydney. Seriously. All right. So, do you want to um, just tell us a bit about yourself, uh, a bit about your journey, and yeah, how you got to to where you are today? Sure, mate. Uh, I hope your listeners find it semi interesting. Anyway. <laughs> um, I well, I'm a physiotherapist. Uh, I've been physio almost for 20 years now, and um, I, I got into it because I just had a passion for the people, for uh, athletics and sport and, and movement myself. Uh, not being a good enough athlete to make it in any of my chosen sports, I thought I'd be supporting people to make it with theirs, and. And, and so I, I got going in physio, I think the same as a lot of us do, um, not really knowing what we're doing. And, and uh, I did a, a couple of years work in Australia and I, and I had uh, great fortune to work over in the UK for four years, uh, working in a number of different settings with some professional sporting groups and also uh, actually doing some occupational stuff at Heathrow and Gatwick Airports. Uh, came back to Australia and really really sunk my teeth into some sports stuff again into a great sports clinic and, and the um, in the Gold Coast. And I was doing that for a while and I, I just found that the, the whole physio thing, we were, we were, there was a gap in where we were in, in terms of um, managing our athletes either from an amateur point of view or professional. I found that with our amateur athletes, we there was a big gap between how we could manage acute injuries and then get them back to their sport. Uh, we'd, we'd manage acute injuries really quite well with our knowledge from physio. And then there was this gap of like how like they're not ready to go back to sport, but then we can't keep asking them to come back onto the physio couch. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a great divide of, of um, communication between 
our professional athletes and their coaches and how we were how we were getting them back. There was a, there was a uh, almost a, a, a language barrier between those and, and what we wanted and what the, the the coaches and the strength and conditioning team needed. And so I went back and studied my masters in exercise science, strength and conditioning, which was a great leap forwards for me, and it's it's really panned the way out for where I am now. And so I felt like that really carried me into a completely different perspective of, of physiotherapy and, and got me in a much more of an active model, getting people off the beds and, and, and uh, into movement a lot earlier. And, and although we studied biomechanics at uni, you sort of touch on those sorts of things. And I think that's what really threw me into um, this world of, of movement, mechanics, and I just started watching people heal themselves through through education and movement and being able to stand away a little bit more and, and empower people more. And the more I've done that, the more I've just seen this this amazing method of rehabilitation and treatment and and uh, and then it's and then it's moved into performance. So I feel like I've moved so far away from just acute injury management into this this realm of performance, which totally suits my personality and and um and it's a really exciting place to be and and you know we did that just down in melbourne together and you know it's just just you know really grabbing all these schools of thoughts and different things and and adding them on and i just don't feel like i can get enough of that and so i i did that and uh and i was up in this clinic for four or five years in the gold coast i moved to sydney met a girl uh, the old old story met a girl at a wedding moved to sydney and started a clinic in a little backward place in an, in an old RSL that was slowly winding down and met these uh, amazing guys running a gym and they were running a really successful gym and, and uh, I popped my physio clinic in there and, and it just started this this beautiful symbiotic relationship between people training and people doing therapy and then there became this middle ground of, of rehabilitation moving to performance and, and uh and so that was such a, you know, I started to, to learn that um, that instead of just having people uh, coming in for treatment regularly for that old neck, that back, that hip, we could start creating a model where they were actually coming in and training and I no longer saw them anymore. I didn't see them for their neck. I didn't see them for their back. They were, they were, they were self-managing and they were having a great time doing it, um, which was great. And so then... The old Ari got knocked down and we had to move. And so I found a place in Maroubra and I had this little dream in the back of my head, like I can really take this model somewhere else and, and create this, um, this like bigger, more expanded model, which where we could affect more people. Um, I was totally inspired by the, the beginning of F45, which was pretty new back then, but was, was really, um, starting to create this great, craze of, of um, group group uh, exercise um, and and people were loving it people were in this mode of like community uh, togetherness um, and and people were really enjoying the exercise to that whole boot camp type theory to the next level and um, and that was awesome but also I saw all the holes in that where I was picking up the pieces and I'm sure you in in your um, your field and all of us in therapies have been picking up the pieces of people who are getting totally excited by going into these models of group training with poor instruction um, and uh, they don't really know what they're doing and a, a lot of 
really positive intention to exercise that doesn't work out for them and then we're picking up you know lifelong injuries or you know and we, and, and people who are picking up things where they um, they're just not able to continue with their exercise and and so I thought there's a better way and so I started my place in Maroubra long story short started my place in Maroubra two doors up a new place came up this 200 square block and I was like I've got to go with this so I dragged two of the boys down from the gym and said let's do this and so that was the birth of Elab and so now we're created a professional professional driven so therapy driven um, training model and so that's where I'm now a couple of physio clinics and uh, one of one of the e-labs and hopefully another one just around the corner it's exciting man so tell us I mean the e-lab model I think it's fantastic and we'll touch on in a second the um, like f45 functional movement type um, craze I think is really important because I 100% see people all the time uh, in my clinic as well getting injured uh, through that type of training and sort of loading dysfunction and causing, you know, lots of dramas. And unfortunately, yeah, it has become a craze. There, you know, for some people, I guess it works, but there's a lot of people that it doesn't. So let's touch on that in a sec. But just first, um, just tell us a bit more about eLab and, and I guess the model you guys follow and, and why it is different to some of these other functional training uh, centers. Which I yeah. guess the big one is that it's it's therapy driven, which is <laughs> like yeah. amazing in itself. But you know, how do you um, take that group of people and make sure they're not being injured like some of these other facilities that that we're hearing about? Yeah, it's it's a good question, and it's been it's been such a journey to try and work out how to build the model, and we've, and we've changed tact a few times, but essentially. The mindset originally was driven from a therapy base. It was driven like, how do we get, how do we get people with chronic injuries um, to, and people who need to rehabilitate from injuries, a space where they can get the volume of work with good instruction. And so, I think that's where we're hamstrung as therapists most of the time. Is we we have them in for a session and we have them for a half hour or an hour. And we do our thing and we and hopefully we do that really well and we give good instruction, hopefully. And then we cross our fingers and one, hope it's done well at home uh, and hope the person does it in the right volume, all those sorts of things. And I, we lack that contact and, and it's a really hard thing to get because financially it's really hard for the client to come and see us as many times as what would may be beneficial for them or what they might need. And so the initial thought behind eLab was, well, how do we create a model where people have contact with their therapists five, six, seven times a week for a full hour? And so how do we get that volume? And so that was the initial thought. It was like, how do we make people move and check in and do your adjustments and have someone come in and daily say, hey, I did this yesterday, this sort of didn't really feel well, and then get those corrections that they need. And so in one week they can make a month's worth of changes in their motor programming because essentially that's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to treat their brain, their neuromuscular patterning so that then they can change their extremities and, and their, their pathology and all those sorts of things. So it came very much from how do we solve the issues of rehabilitation? Um, my master's degree gave me a real love and passion for performance and so and I look after a lot of athletes, so it's like, well, how do we get, how do we bring that into the fold? And then 
Trent Langlands, particularly my one of my business partners, is you know, highly involved with you know the, some of the best athletes in the world. You know, like he looks after Huey Bowman and Kieran McAvoy, the jockeys, and he looks after a lot of rugby league and a lot of runners, and and so he really brought that performance aspect. So all of a sudden we were like, oh, now we're performance coaches and we're rehabilitation coaches, and now everyone's coming to the same sessions. How do we manage this? And so we've designed. One is one really important thing is um, how many therapists there are per people in a class, per Nipo group. So, you know, generally there's no more than eight people per therapist in a class. Um, and classes are, are, are designed so there's elements of Pilates, strength training, cardio training. And also there's a real mix of different styles of classes, pure Pilates, um, pure core strength, body awareness classes, release classes, high intensity training classes, strength classes. And so we've created a model where there's lots of variety and choice and a real um, emphasis on the skill of the therapists and our trainers to be able to be picking up movement pathologies and retraining those. And I think one of the most, and as hard as that was, we didn't market ourselves for a year because we were just trying to work out who we were and how we were going to do it. We literally kept our membership low deliberately just to make sure that when we really launched, we had something that would suit most people. Um, and so I think we've done that quite well. Um, I think we've, we've done that quite well. And we're just constantly changing and improving. That's what E stands for Evolve. And lab means that we're we're coming from a science background, so uh, yeah, yeah, nice man. And I think that's really important, hey, because I've always been jealous of like personal trainers, um, especially since I've you know been on a similar journey to you of the the traditional like podiatry background where you're taught how to treat those acute injuries and sort of manage that. And we did biomechanics, uh, especially around gait. And, but the thing was, we were never really trained in your yeah, long term management other than propping it up with an orthotic or yeah, that short term sort of pain relief. And once I got into this journey of, um, you know, more functional movement, you know, biomechanic correction, um, through exercise, yeah, I found it really difficult and, and found personal training a bit of a jealousy of mine in that they see people all the time, you know, and they have that client contact daily if not weekly where traditionally people don't go to a therapist that often mm, you know, and it's expensive and there's a lot of barriers around coming to see you know a traditional physio or, or podiatrist long term for like retraining of movement patterns so you know what you've done i think it's an amazing um thing it's amazing setup in that yeah you have that best of both worlds right you you're seeing people regularly. You've still got that therapy aspect to it where you're constantly evolving, like <laughs> like the name suggests, yeah. um, the person's movement patterns while still getting some of that um, cardio strength um, type training in as well. So it's an amazing model, mate. I think congratulations. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> I think it's, um, yeah, it's like it's the way we should all be kind of um, looking to head as far as therapy goes. And I know the industries are a long way behind in this type of thinking uh, well in podiatry especially it's um i find it's a bit still in that treatment mindset yeah. and, and getting rid of the person as soon as they're out of pain um and we've conditioned patients to feel that way too that once they're out of pain it's back to the 
you know, yep. the gym or back to the whatever yep. they're doing. And then quite often you see them back in the clinic once, you know, yep. that dysfunction rears its ugly head again. Um, so, yeah, I think what you're doing is fantastic. And you feel, and it's, there's, a, and you feel terrible, right, when you see that client three months, six months later and you check in and, and you say, hey, how you going? And you're like, oh, yeah, all right. How's the back? Oh, yeah. And you think, geez, I've let that person down, mm. right? And 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 like for me, that's that's a really gutting feeling, and and so I feel with this, there's you, you don't have that. You see them all. I train with them, mm. and you know, I had a session this morning. I train, and you're in the room with them all the time. They got access to therapists all the time, so they never fall off anymore in the model. Yeah, and I think that's one of the great things is how do we get that. Um, contact and that volume with people and we're really lucky now we're getting other therapists like yourself who are in the area referring to us and mm. and so got that constant contact and say you had someone come in and and you said hey mark you know i've got this like achilles tendonopathy for example this this client can you come train and if they're falling off just a little bit and we weren't managing them to the point and we feel they need we say all right just bounce back with paul for a session and just check in. We want you to reassess your orthotics, or you know what, what have you. We wouldn't do that. You'd actually, <laughs> yeah. just, just how, how dare you that. swear on here? <laughs> which is great. I love your mentality around um, foot care because it's 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 full body, full system, um, full chain therapy, and we do a lot of. We're open to barefoot training in our in our place as well. We do a uh, lot. It could of, be a collab coming up. Shoes off. Um, I did a session last night. It was shoes off all the start. Obviously, there's there's elements of time frame where people and some people particularly need to wear shoes and develop that. But um, yeah, we're we're very open to the the barefoot nature. You love it. But it's funny, right? Like with what you were just saying about people coming back regularly, that was kind of how I started, like my journey. Apart from you know, I was trying to get myself out of orthotics. Like year after year, I'd get people coming back to reassess their orthotics because another pain had popped up or the orthotic had worn down. And I was just like, like I wasn't a podiatrist. I'd literally just become an orthotic distributor. And it was just like, oh, okay, they're not doing what they should do. Let's use the new pair. They're a bit stronger or we'll change this. And like, you know, it works for some and people mm-hmm. make a lot of money out of that. But for me, it was, yeah, it was gut-wrenching. You know, I'd kind of, they'd leave and I'd be like, what have I changed? You know, and it wasn't until I started like doing lots of different courses and, and learning how to start changing gait patterns that, you know, I started to make a difference. And I still prescribe orthotics like mm. you know, when, when needed, but my goal is always how do I get them out of this? And like mm. you mentioned earlier, you know, how do I empower that person to understand like their positioning, like what they kind of should like be trying to achieve and how they could be walking better with some different cueing, which sounds mm. like it's what you guys are doing. You know, you have that contact of, if someone's falling off a bit, you can check their form. You can constantly be in their ear so they don't fall into those bad patterns. And over a period of time, that's going to just become cemented and hardwired in their you know, neuromuscular system that they'll understand. Like, Because as humans, right, how easy, I mean, you'd know as well from the courses you've done, you know, we've got pretty good understandings of our body and what we should be doing. But even the course down in Bells were doing, you know, like I thought I was in a pretty good position. It's like, you know, holding this position. It's like, yeah, killing it, you're a good form. And then the mentor would pop over and correct you, and you're like, oh, okay. Uh, it's really hard to feel yourself in position. So having that contact with a trainer who understands, you know, really good uh, technique and um, neuromuscular patterning, 
can keep you really true to to where you should be and it makes the exercise so much harder <laughs> in a good way right like it's you can be doing simpler things loading yourself less from a weight point of view but absolutely frying yourself um just by putting yourself in really good centrated positions but yeah well i think we're, we're changing we're changing brains to then change bodies right and yeah. i always say to people fitness comes and goes but movement will stick with you forever if you train it properly because mm. you went consolidate it so you know and and so that's the key you know like if we can change movement if therefore we're changing the neural patterning of the brain mm. then that will stick with you forever and you will use that in your daily routine and all of a sudden you're exercising appropriately all the time yeah. and so fitness fitness comes and goes you know you go on a holiday and you chill out and you lose your fitness and you lose your muscle strength but your movement stays if you train it um, i'll just and how funny is it how we stereotype things? Even me, who lives in my world, talking to a podiatrist goes straight to orthotics. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I saw you, we got a video on on this call. I saw his face as soon as he said it. It just like jaw dropped. I'm like, oh crap! What have I just said? <laughs> what have I started here? <laughs> good, good on you for breaking that. <laughs> I, eat, I eat my words. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, like, little discussion then around yeah, fitness coming and going too. So I get people in the clinic that are really hung up on their fitness and, and whatever, but sometimes people forget that, you know, with the movement stuff, like that's something you do day in, day out, like even when you're not at the gym, you know. So you go to the gym and, yeah, you want to perform better and, and get fitter and that's fantastic. But, you know, just walking down the street, just picking something up off the ground, if you're not moving well, it can be those little movements that are leading to your pain and, and you know, injuries anyway. So it just makes sense to be like working on and maintaining those healthy movement patterns because it will help you through day-to-day life, make it more efficient, get less chance of injury and pain. But then with what you guys are doing, you start loading it, you know, putting it into a, a gym-type setting, then your workout becomes a lot better anyway, plus you're training those healthy patterns to move better through the day. So you know, I think it's important that we look at uh, movement and on that, like, what are your thoughts around, and you mentioned before, like with F45, for instance, but like functional training versus functional movement, there seems to be a real, like you said, the trend at the moment um, for functional training. But like in your opinion, how functional is some of this functional training? Well, it's a functional word, isn't it, for marketing? <laughs> Pretty cool. I'm a functional podiatrist, right? Functional, it's a functional marketing word. Uh, I question how functional a lot of the functional training is, but it's a, it's the bad word, and um, and it, it you know it fits quite well for people's brains to to think that I'm training for life. I mean, I've I've gone and done some other classes in other places, and look, and I'm not going to go and bash um, you know other other venues and and training models at all too there's so much stuff out there and i really think horses for courses but i also think people uh don't understand their own bodies and so they don't make educated choices on whether something's appropriate to them as well and um i totally congratulate f45 on what they've done um and i think it's great i think it, it look it's such a positive movement People, people exercising is so much better than people not exercising. Oh, for um, sure, yeah. I can jump on my high horse about uh, injuries and so forth uh, and, and poor movement patterns and poor training, but 
if I was to summarize, I think it's great. They got them moving, but there's a better way still too, in my yeah. opinion, you know, and, uh, we've got people doing, uh, straight legged good mornings with heavy load with, with no assessment of their body, whether they've, you know, got, um, core strength, breathing patterns, uh, mobility, um, strength and they're thrust into these, these, you know, overhead positions and, and the whole intention of these is to uh, get fit as like a strip weight. Look at, look, we'll get into the whole image thing later on, but, um, you know, work as hard as you can for a short period of time, make as much change as you can. And I think it echoes what I think a lot of what we do in, in society is, is that short term goal gain, you know, looking at that short term gain rather than long-term outcomes you know we at elab we're looking at like strategizing movement patterns so for sustainability mm. and really great long-term goals and i think a lot of the functional training out there is 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 about you know ripping ripping weight off or putting muscle on really quickly without that focus on on movement patterns and we know that the you know we we know that the, the training and the, the the people running the sessions um uh don't have long in, in a lot of cases don't have you know university degrees or a long history in movement patterning their, their PTs and good luck to them they're out there with positive intention doing the best thing they can but mm. fortunately you've seen it I've seen it and we're, we're picking up the pieces of, of people who are hurting themselves and sometimes quite badly that they they struggle to go back into exercise and I and I, I worry about the demotivation um, that those people are suffering after multiple injuries as well, not only the, the impact to their bodies. And mm. I heard well, this is a you know something quite recently. I, I heard um, with one of these chain models, they do those challenges, right? Yeah. And they're talking about the diets that uh, they're running. In this is this is quite controversial, but the diets that they're running through these challenges. And uh, we've got a sports dietitian that was in contact with them here and. and she said, look, I'm really concerned about the way that you, you're running these diets. This is not sustainable and you're really like crash dieting these people mm. and the rebound effect must be quite big. And the answer was, we don't care. We want them to lose weight and then put weight back on so they sign up for the next challenge. And that stuff just makes my stomach turn. Yes. <laughs> and, and That's so- business, right? <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, unfortunately, like, unfortunately, sometimes finance and business success can be put on top of, of mm. a, a moral standpoint on, on what we're doing for people. And, and I think, and I don't think, I know eLab is very, very much um, changed in its nature from what it was initially because we've, we've um, seen a lot of issues with the motivation around why people are training and, um, I we've started a functional training room, and I think we're moving towards a, a, a more of a, uh, a a space of community and and um, a message of of creating um, psychological harmony, for want of a better phrase, in people and fitness. Second, you know, we're, we're really moving away from that model of you know image focused crash. Um, crash dieting, you got to look like this into, hey, you know what, you know, like, like what, what don't we focus on how we want to feel and, and, uh, and what we want to be able to do. So we're very much like, like 
we're going to help you move better. We're going to help you feel better. Um, the rest of the stuff will take care of itself. Mm. And I think, like with the um, like some of these boot camp type challenges, and and even some of these like functional centers. Like I've got a friend at the moment um, who's also a client. We've been doing some of this functional movement type corrective work, and like he's got hip issues, and we're looking at like squat patterns and. You know, he's really good in that he knows where he can get to in his squat, for instance, right, with form and holding his mm. um, like core control and foot position and rah, rah, rah. And he's, you know, joined one of those um, gyms to try and, you know, lose weight and, and stuff. But he came in and he was kind of like, man, like, they're pretty hardcore. Like, they're trying to force him, like, past where he felt comfortable in his squat and trying to get him to do it faster. And he was like, well, no, like, I can feel this is where I need to be right now. I'm happy to to work towards that, but I'm working with someone to you know work on that. And he said they're really quite persistent in trying to really force him to you know move faster and lower and deeper. I think it's that sort of thing. It's not all trainers, you know. Some, like you said, have more experience than others, but we do need to be careful that as much as it is, yeah, functional training. Like some of these people don't have a full understanding of yeah what. The functional movement should be and then where they start to collapse in that and and then that could cause an injury you know and this guy's had injuries before which he's really scared about going back to um so you know you got to trust your trainer make sure your trainer understands what he's trying to achieve that's an that's an awesome point like where's the assessment in most of these places so how do they know this guy doesn't have a restricted hip syndrome, you know, like like an oh, FAI hip? <laughs> right, there you go. And so then he's going to be creating like rotation and flexion through his lumbar spine as he goes down. Mm-hmm. He somehow appreciates that so he knows where he feels comfortable not pushing through. Yeah. But because they've been trained in their, you know, in their course that oh, the deeper you go, the, 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 better, the better it is. Mm. And, then all of a sudden they're, they're trying to train this guy to go through a range, which is like invariably he's just going to get injured, right? He's like he's definitely well, especially in a do- training session, right? I mean, like in the clinic, I'm trying to help him get lower with more control, and it's improved dramatically over the last you know year or so that we've been working together. But we do so in a really controlled way. It's really slow, you know. I'm there like helping him through positions to help um, with his hip, like unloading yeah. some of his hip. But to do that in a like a training situation with speed, with like load potentially, um, without the right cueing, like that's dangerous, yeah? It's so dangerous. And so this, what you're saying is there's no individuality. So it's everyone's thrown in, everyone does the same. Mm. And so and, and how can you go and train people without a good initial assessment first from someone who's trained well in assessment? Mm. So in eLab, we, we've got a thing where it says apply for your trial now. You can't just pay and join. You can't just pay and say, yeah, I'm going to come and join. You, 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 you do a trial, you come through, you get an hour with one of our physios or exercise physiologists. We take a full medical history and we go through a full assessment. And sometimes we don't allow people to go up there. We say, look, we've got to contact your therapist and you need some more work or you need to go and do some, some other different things before you come up there. It's going to be too dangerous for you to come into a room and we want you to succeed. We don't want you to fail. Like mm. we, we just we will not have people fail in our rooms. And so we have a lot of support around us and around that. But we a lot of the time our EPs do some some uh, some 
private work to upskill them so that they will succeed and we help them out um, financially with that. So just to help them get to the point where they can enter a group situation. So I think that if people uh, are being thrown into the masses and without any sort of individual assistance, even like ringing someone like yourself and saying, hey, listen, this person's signing up to our class, our group. Can you give me a bit of background on their body? Like Mm. with that, how do we know what we're doing? You know, we're throwing them in. So I think uh, I think that's a great point. I think individuality assessment of the person is critical, and you know, to, we're so we're so into that that we part of their membership. Every three months, they've got an option to come and get reassessed. Every three months, a full hour with one of our guys. It's no cost. It's just part of their membership, and they come in. Where are you? Reset your goals. How'd you go with your last goals? Hey, how's the body going? You know, how's your movement going? We video some of that stuff and we have that time to individually help correct them as well. So yeah, awesome point. I think that if we're gonna get if we're gonna get good long term changes with low risk of injury, there has to be some sort of individuality. Which means we need one on one time with these people, right? Hundred percent. And it's like because everyone's so different. Everyone has their own way they move, but then the other thing we need to like be looking at in in my opinion is like lifestyle you know Mm -hmm. like it's all well and good throwing people into a certain um type of training as a cookie cutter approach but if like someone might be more active than another person through the day with their job um different stresses like there's a lot of things that affect movement affect inflammation in joints um the whole diet thing um yeah people need to be assessed like individually and and even just goals, hey, like... So that opens a whole can of worms, the whole goal-setting thing too. Um, I've, yeah. I, we, I mean, it probably leads into what your next question is probably going on, but the, the, um, that was something which has opened my eyes and it's literally changed my life in terms of um, we started eLab and we were very functionally based and let's get people moving better, let's get people out of pain. Um, one thing that we, we didn't touch on before with the movement is how it can positively affect pain syndromes, right, mm. through affect central nervous system. That, you know, changing tissue, loading appropriately, remodeling, all those sorts of things. Um, and then we started uh, to the goal-setting thing with people, okay, let's do a challenge and let's market ourselves like everyone else. And then it's we found that everyone's I found that everyone's goals were about image, weight loss, muscle mass. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on here? Like what a like this, I'm not interested. But it's what in we're this. conditioned to want to achieve, right? And we spoke about yeah. this in the car on the on the trip home, about how there's so much external influence on what we should feel like, what we should look like. Um, you know, what the the ultimate lifestyle is and it's not sustainable is it no well and, and what i found is that goal settings um it's such a dangerous uh part i mean it's, it's imperative for us to be successful but the way we set goals uh, can as although it's wrapped up so nicely in positive intention can really um just lead us to like a constant state of unfulfillment 
and a constant state of anxiety. And, and so weight loss is the, is the classic example, you know, like we're constantly setting goals about what we want to be and what we want to look like. So the, the most common goals that people are setting at E-Level, they're not allowed to anymore. <laughs> we, re, we, we remodel their goals for them. But is I want to lose five kilos. I want to be this weight. I want to be this pant size. I want to put on this much muscle. And, and so what they're doing is they're, they're setting themselves an outcome goal. And so, and what, and when you ask them the questions about why they want to do that is, oh, well, because, you know, I feel happy. I'll feel happy when I'm doing that. I'll feel like, um, I'll feel like I've got more energy or, you know, like, so there's some positive reasons for this. But the psychology behind that says that once they do that and they set these goals, they literally postpone those feelings of happiness to get there. They feel they postpone those feelings of fulfillment mm. to get there. Yeah. And so training becomes a drag, you know. Yeah. And all sudden, you know, the, the number on the scale dictates how they feel. You know, they get up in the morning and they get on and they have a look. They're not at that that predetermined that that, that predetermined weight, pant size, whatever. And now they now they feel terrible about themselves and they're going in and they're always behind and then the scary part about that is once they get there if they go and do this crazy eight-week challenge and they shred themselves and they get to this 64 kilos or whatever their goal may have been they get to pat themselves on the back for about five seconds and then the anxiety kicks in because they've worked so hard dieted so hard and they know it's not sustainable, but because they've tagged subconsciously, they've gone and tagged this weight with these feelings of happiness and fulfillment and pride and all this, these great things. Now, the psychology behind that is not allowing them to, to leave that. So as soon as they go back up to their 67, 68, whatever, which is probably a very healthy weight for that person, mm. now they're there. So now they've, so, so, so now they've, now 64 in their head or 65 in their head is their, that's their weight of happiness. And when they come off and now they're totally unfulfilled with themselves and they don't like looking in the mirror anymore and then they don't feel those feelings. And so it's a really, really dangerous game to be playing. And, and so we don't allow people to make goals about um, what um, they don't to be goals or to have goals. I want to be this or I want to have that. It's, it's like saying that they're not happy with their current identity. So, mm. And so we only want people to, have to make goals around what they want to be able to do and how they want to feel. And so we remodel those goals because as soon as you create a goal of like, I want to be more energized, I want to feel younger, I want to feel like I've got uh, more ability to play with my kids, I want to be able to um, run a half marathon, then every time they come into the gym, they feel like they're closer towards that goal and they can walk out and they can feel that feeling straight away. And so I think it's really, really important that uh, people uh, are aware of how they're setting their goals because goal setting is a great skill set and it's it's, it's really important mm. in getting us to achieve where we're going but but uh, making sure they're not setting themselves up to um you know like to, to feel like they're failing we have a couple of like a couple of stories in that i've got one of my girls was like i want to be 64 kilos and i was like 64 why 64 she said oh i'm really happy when i'm 64 i'm like what do you mean like <laughs> when we are 64 she's a 45 year old 
mother of three kids. And she said, oh, when I was 22. And I was like, that's crazy. <laughs> like you went back to wait because you identified that as when you were really happy. And so we remodeled all those goals about, well, why do you want to get back there? Because I felt so energetic. I felt like, um, you know, I was proud of the way that I looked. I felt, you know, and so we went back to those things and it changed her demeanor straight away. One of our, one mm. of another he lost 60 kilos, the big guy, lost 60 kilos, never suffered anxiety or anything before. And he, and he went through this huge weight loss uh, uh, program, felt great. And for the first time in his life, started getting all these really positive comments, you know, like, oh, you look great, no, you're awesome, well done. I. And then he got to his now stable weight and those things stopped. All the compliments stopped. And he's suffered like like anxiety and depression ever since that because he's scared about going back to that and he's now not getting any of that positive reinforcement. So he's he's self-judging, which is I think that's crazy. So um, I'm right into that stuff at the moment. And so there's a lot of education around that within ELAB as well. It's funny you say that. I had a, a patient yesterday. I hadn't seen her for it was nearly two years. Um, and... In that two years, she lost, I think it was around 40 kilos. Mm. And she came in, I was like, wow, like, you know, you're looking amazing. Rah, rah. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah. But I've still got X amount to lose. And, right. and it was just this, it's funny it's sad. I didn't think about it at the time. I was like, no, that's amazing yeah. now. Like, look at you, you know, you're looking fantastic. Like, do you feel better? She's like, yeah, but I've still got, it, it was just this, you know, that magic number that she's been set yeah. by herself or, or someone. Um, and even though she admitted she's feeling better, she's moving better, uh, medications have dropped off, she still wasn't like she couldn't admit that she was stoked with where she was at. And I was at the time, I couldn't, I was just like, wow, okay, well, that's weird. Like, but now, like, listening to you now, it makes so much sense because it's, yeah, she had this number that she wanted. It is epidemic, and mm. we don't know it, and we can't work out why we're not happy. It's, Unbelievable. So she set herself a future identity. Yeah. Uh, and she was going to be happy when she gets to that, even though yeah. she's feeling amazing now and looks like like 40 kilos, is that's a lot yeah. of weight to lose. And she's worked really hard to do so, but she still wasn't stoked. And I was like, wow, yeah, like, shouldn't you be happy with that? Like, <laughs> Watch the fear kick in when she gets there. Watch yeah. the fear. She's getting all these compliments. Watch the fear kick in when she gets there about trying to hold that. Because now she's tagged that as happiness. She just got, she's literally got a number that equals her happiness. Yeah. Watch. She's so she's not happy. She's postponing her happiness because it's a motivation strategy to get there. Yeah. And then she'll get there, and then she. So she needs to be reframing those things about mm. how she feels, what she can do, like how many how many times she walks around the block, or how far she can run, or you know those sort of functional tangibles that she can be proud of in the interim when she gets there, and then the number doesn't matter. It's just a number. Yeah. You know, it's just a number because the reason she's going there, this is the irony, the reason she's she set a number is to feel a certain way, but she can feel that way right now. Yeah. She can feel the pride. It's a choice. She can feel the energy. <laughs> she can feel the happiness. She can feel those things, but, but, the, but she can't because she set it in stone as an identity and a number. And then... 
you know. And then as soon as we do that, the reticular activation system of our brain then says, it's like when you go to buy that car, you's, all of a sudden you start to see that same car along the road all the time and you never really notice them. You know, that, you know the, 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 the theory of the reticular activation system. And so now all you see is what you want to be. She'll just see that, that, that person that way and then heaven forbid you get on social media because now all you see and you and so now you're drawing more comparisons than you've ever drawn. You didn't draw comparisons anymore because you didn't have a target identity but now you've set yourself a target identity. All you see is what you're not Yeah. and you do it forever. Until you can break that mentality, you will constantly live forever. So we've got people living totally unfulfilled because they're like, oh, I feel terrible. I look, you know, you see the time, I look terrible. Look at me. And you're like, I think you look great. And, and they're like, but I'm so overweight. What do you mean so overweight? Well, I'm normally 65 kilos and I'm 67 kilos. It's like I'm 65 and a half. <laughs> and that's why I think with these challenges of all these other groups where they're, you know, the before and after photo does my head in. You know, you look at the before shot and it is not an unhealthy person. It's not a non-functioning person. And then you look at the after shot and we're just so caught in self-image and and, uh, and society reinforces it and people are making a lot of money out of it. You know, like functional training studios are making money out of it. Um, you know, magazines made money out of it for years. Mm. Uh, you know, TV, like we social sites, we're just leveraging on the bad psychology of people and people's insecurities and, um, and e-labs working so hard on breaking that and and so our vision there is health happiness and productivity globally so optimizing health happiness and productivity globally and and it was always for me it was it was functional movement first and functional movement's actually like as much as i'm so passionate about that it's taken a second priority to people's happiness and and people's um awareness um of their of their mind and and the little things that we can change and that's why we We've moved away from challenges, you know. We're just getting caught in these challenges of people and getting, you know, this goal setting. And we did utilize them quite well to shift the mentality of people and say, no, we're not doing weight goals. Like, let's sit down with you and talk to you about what that means. And so then we can start to reframe that. And the the, the, the result in people's mentality is just beautiful. Like, it, it's stunning to watch these people beam and enjoy their training and be motivated for the right reasons. Um, and so our last one was Project 40. So I didn't want to get caught in the stereotype of, of, of this challenge industry, the same as you don't want to get caught as a podiatrist who makes orthotics, you know, like mm. you want to get trapped in that stereotype. And, and as you're working really hard in your area to break that and to try and create change in ELAB, we're trying really hard to break this mentality of image-focused training and, and create this, like, healthy person, you know, this real healthy, happy, fulfilled, comfortable person, individual, you know. And so Project 40 was um, – was it, it takes 40 days. The science out there says it takes 40 days to change a habit. Yeah. And so we – over 40 days, we – we stopped these these like big changes in like I want to be this weight, I want to be this fit. And what we asked of people is that they just try and focus on five different components of their daily or weekly routine and just and we talked a lot about the 
the habit changing science, which is there's some awesome stuff out there, um, and it's about take, making really small changes, achievable changes, and slowly incrementing on those. And so that you can just slowly snowball the, the effects of change. And so you're slowly changing yourself from who you are now and developing yourself into someone that you that you'd really love to be and not trying to do it in eight weeks. And so um, the first thing that we wanted people to do was, and we, it was a collaborative too, it was about people sharing their ideas and, and not having too much structure around it, like everyone could do whatever they wanted based around these five things. And the first one was uh, uh, changing your morning routine, somehow changing your morning routine. One of my things was I didn't touch my phone for the first half hour of the day. I literally wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't touch it and wouldn't let that affect me, you know, because as soon as you go and, like, look at your phone, you see a text, you see that, all of a sudden you've got things running your brain and I just wanted to mm-hmm. own the first half half hour of my day um, and I, I was journaling as well which was a really foreign thing for me but and people did all different things movement breathing meditation just but it was just a change in that so changing your morning routine the other thing was um, setting up a, a, a training plan or a physical plan for the week and with no outcome focused it was just I'm going to set it up and I'm going to do it it might be I'm going to surf a couple of times, I'm going to go to the gym a couple of times, I'm going to go for a walk, I'm going to do some breathing exercises, I'm going to do just some movement. Um, but it didn't matter what it was. It was just a, an achievable goal that people could do. Uh, we wanted the third thing was for people to minimize their sugar and alcohol and see the effect that it had on their brain. We know that 70 to 80% of the happy hormones come from your gut and the effect of sugar on those is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so... We wanted to, people to be able to see that change in the way that their brain was was working, um, and then we uh, and, and then the uh, fourth thing was give something back without uh, give uh, so give something without needing something back. So yeah. um, maybe to the environment, maybe to a person. It might be just spending a half hour talking to someone that you might rush off normally because you're busy, um, someone that you know needed help. Uh, it might be buying a keep cup um, for, you know, instead of buying a coffee cup, coffee cup, you know, thinking about the environment. And uh, and then the other one was do something for yourself that you would normally deprioritize in the week, just one thing a week, you know, just, just that thing that you normally push away, just think of yourself first and just go and do that thing. You know, I, I got three massages over the, the period of the 40 days, like, you know, in a week and, I would never do that, and I would work in a place who got greatest massage therapists around, and I just <laughs> always and and the then the the emotional outcome of that for me was unbelievable, um, really good, and so we supported the charity Are You Okay through it. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple um we had a couple of close people uh, we lost a couple of close people through suicide leading into that. So I thought Are You Okay was was a great charity and support, and so. Uh, Real shift in mentality. It was a really beautiful thing, you know. We and and so it won't be the last of them. And and I think that you know that's where we're going. We're going towards this really healthy habit change. So healthy habit changes in body, as you know, we can't just change a body straight away. You can't go and just change foot structure, walking, gait. It's a process, and yeah. we, want, we want people to buy into the process, and that it's awesome. Small changes over time. Are sustainable and it's beautiful and it's awesome, but quick crash changes, the quick fix, orthotics in your shoes, um, 
it, you know, like equip manipulation and away you go and good luck, good luck to you. It's just not where we're living. I know it's not your mentality and it's not my mentality. And so I think if I can have some sort of influence on, on our mentality shifts in our communities, then that would be amazing. Yeah, it's awesome. How did you find the so the people that did the project? What was the outcome, you know, for them? Was there like did everyone get benefit? Did some? Did did everyone follow through with it? Like how did it how did it go? Really varied. Um, really varied. Some amazing results where people uh, have really stuck to what they're doing and have changed a, a lot. Um, really interesting watching um, people fall over on them. Um, and on a lot of their a lot of their goals that they had those and habits, but the the great thing about that is coming back to the reasons why you know well it was too big a goal you know like that was too big yeah. a change yeah. or hey what got in the road like what what part of your life got in the road or what part of your mentality got in the road of that and then all of a sudden bring those things to the front well is that something that we might need to go and look at or you might need to go and look at and so it, so even the people that didn't succeed exactly in what they were doing brought things up that, like that they didn't know that they didn't know and so therefore they're one step closer do you know what i mean so yeah. they weren't failures they're just learnings you know along the way and so huge variety paul like it was it, i mean and people just thought it was great there was this real at first i was the one pushing out all the uh all the you know i'm doing this and i'm changing this and i thought geez it's just me talking to the masses and and then slowly a couple more people came in and shared this. And then by the end of the 40 days, we had this beautiful sharing of, of what people were doing, the struggles that they were having, um, how they were looking at overcoming them. And, and I think I, I love living, I love, love hearing the struggle and I love people sharing the struggle because we all have it, you know, we're all going through it, we, you know, like, and so that's where the learning is. And, and, uh, and so I think an open sharing in that way it was is just um awesome and so it's a slow grower you know how it is i'm i'm, I'm still working on my things sometimes they fall over and i get back mm. on them and go and, and um just a slow progression but i think it's like knowing well being part of that journey right and like we've been conditioned to have those quick fixes have um everything just given to us on a silver platter mm. um but we've sort of lost sight of life being a journey mm. and that we do need to keep working at things, whether it be diet, whether it be happiness, whether it be movement. Yeah, there isn't like an end goal for a lot of things and you know, even movement. Like you, you don't just say, well, if I have ankle range of motion of X amount of degrees, I'm going to feel fantastic because my ankle is a problem at the moment. Mm. It's like, well, no, you probably need to continue moving well on that ankle or like, you know what I mean? It's just like a journey that needs to be, like sustain through our life or, or happiness you know it's like not that goal weight it's yeah how do you want to feel and then just checking in regularly do i feel that way like is that where am i at how do i how do i make that happen you know yeah and do you think that we're just in this state of looking for instant gratification 100 so, percent. and social media hasn't helped with that because we see these um like these target things we want to hit and we see then these people have huge followings or whatever it may be and and people wanting to get like get these feelings of these um I don't know what the word is, but it's like we've really lost sight of who we are as people and the feelings that we have. We want what other people have versus just 
and it's uncomfortable, right? Like you start sitting down and and like asking why. So like even and people that come in here and it's like and they know what I do and they don't want orthotics and you know I want to train with you and it's like well why you know and some people just have never really thought of like why and it can get uncomfortable like is it because you want to play with the grandkids more is it because you're trying to achieve a like what what are you actually trying to achieve that isn't just getting out of orthotics like what's that going to do for you and that can really help drive motivation but with Project 40 I think the other fantastic thing about that is being part of a journey with other people like we're tribal people right like we're yeah. kind of primarily mm, we're from like, tribes call us the tribe <laughs> but we kind of you know what i mean like we kind of like we're built to be part of a tribe and that's why we kind of have families and and some people really hold family as as something close but from traditional tribes we would learn things from elders and, and be part of that journey together whereas i feel like this day and age as much as we're around people a lot and we might try and get help off people, it's a really selfish journey we're on and it is like with maybe just a goal of this weight versus, you know, people getting in and sharing their story of challenges and other people then learning from that. So I think with that Project 40, with you guys sharing that journey together and challenges and, and how you overcame things, that in itself can have such a, a profound effect of not feeling like you're doing it alone. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, well, I, really, I really like that. There's less conversation in community now, where, and so we're we're looking at things. We all know how you know a text conversation, text message conversation goes. Yeah, you know, it's, you don't really get the the, the the point across, let alone going to social media and, and 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 seeing that stuff. So we're in a comparative type of mindset. So it's like, oh, that person looks really happy. What are they doing? Maybe I should do that. That would make me more happy. Do you know what I mean? Rather than looking inside, we're looking outside. You know, it's it's we're, we're looking outside creating a comparison and then doing a copying act to try and do that rather than looking inside and going, hey, hey, hey this is me. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get to know me. What are, you know, what do I really need and having trust in yourself in terms of that as well. So, uh, mate, it's awesome. Like that's you mentioned tribe and community. I think that's what we've got up there and, and it's, it's such an enjoyable um, space to be in. And, and so, yeah, it's been great. Well, mate, well, I love what you're doing. I think, you know, the way you're taking the the physio industry in your own um, kind of little hands and doing your thing is, like, amazing. I think, um, yeah, like I said earlier, there needs to be more more of this approach. Um, I think it's really beneficial for the, for the client. They're getting overall care whilst getting some um, really healthy training in and changing those movement patterns and mindset patterns and habits and, you know, I think yeah, I think what you're achieving at the moment is is great, and I can't wait to see where you continue to take this. Um, so, where can people find you? Where how can they train with you? How can they follow what you're what you're up to? How can they jump on board Project Forty? Yeah, cool. So, um, it, so Advanced Health is the physio clinic. We're in Maroubra, Bronte. So, ADVANZ Health. Um, Elab. Currently, Maruba, we're looking to uh, open up in Bronte soon too, which is exciting. Um, and so, eLab Training is eLabTraining.com is mm-hmm. our website. And so, to book a trial, they can just do that online. Uh, and I'm starting to just get a little bit more of my message out through the eLab uh, Insta page. And I've got Mark Mitchell Health. Mark Mitchell underscore health is a Insta page which I've just started, mm-hmm. and we're going to be uh, we're going to be bringing out 
it's just just more of what we're doing and, and more of that mentality shift and some physical exercise and, and just our mentality on things there too. So it's probably the best way. I think if you can uh, put more stuff up on all that mindset stuff you're doing and I know you're, you're kind of studying some more around psychology at the moment, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Doing more of that stuff would be amazing, man, because it's, yeah, I think the difference that like that can have on, on people um, from all walks of life, all sorts of goals is amazing and that message needs to be spread far and wide and, and people just need that understanding of, I guess, like why to do it but how, you know, I think we're really mm. stuck in this like pattern at the moment, like movement, we're in all these bad movement patterns, but yep. we're in a bad mindset pattern globally. So, mm. you know, follow along. Hopefully Mark will um, put some tips up on how to start helping some of these mind shift um, stuff as well because it's, it's really important for overall health, um, movement health, just so you can continue to focus on your movement patterns as well. A lot of people... You know, once they're out of pain, because um, pain is quite often an outcome. You know, it's yep. like once I'm out of pain, I can stop yep. seeing the physio, stop seeing the podiatrist. Yep. But like we mentioned earlier, like sometimes that's not the ideal scenario. It is that you need to um, be on this journey for longer. So getting your mindset around that and learning how to change that goal a bit to be less about pain and more about moving better or, you know, whatever the, the new goal is. Um, so, yeah, follow along. Hopefully, Mark will... Um, Put some stuff up. If not, I'll keep hounding him to do so. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be there. I'll, I'll be there. So I'd love to have everyone aboard, and I just, I just, the collaboration would be amazing. You know, like more yeah. people talking about this. stuff. I feel like we're right on the edge of a movement. You know, oh, we're, sure. we're not, we're not on the edge of it. We're in it. You know, yeah. so and and, and people so, need it, man. Like it's, you know, yeah. we're at a point that people really need this sort of sort of thing. Yeah, so. absolutely. Good on you for what you're doing, Paul. I love it. And then we've got to get you up here soon. We would love to have you in the lab and teaching our, our staff your stuff. I think it would be a great idea, mate. Get some uh, even some maybe a little sneaky pop-up training sessions for the, for the crew. There you go. Just some barefoot training, <laughs> uh, what do you reckon? There you go. That's it. Let's do it. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Well, thanks again for uh, popping on. Um, I learned a lot from this and I hope everyone was able to take away um, a lot of cool info, and some ideas, especially around the mindset stuff, I think that was really important. So, you know, listen back in. I mean, jump on the Project 40, but like Mark gave us some great things, you know, those five topics that there's no reason you can't just start looking at changing some of them um, yourself and, you know, and seeing if you can make a little shift um, like for yourself. But, yeah, check out Project 40. Um, jump on the next one when that's happening. Um, because that mindset stuff is huge. So thanks again for listening in. Until next time, I will talk to you guys soon. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.